Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. And verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I want you to read that aloud with me. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. I want to uh, preach to you for a little while here this, uh, this morning, and I believe that uh, you're going to preach with me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place, and I feel like God wants to work in a mighty way. I want to preach to you about four views of the cross, four views of the cross. Would you pray with me right now? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, because there is life transformative power that is in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint each and every person, God, to not only hear your word, but be able to respond to it. I pray, Lord, that we would leave here closer to you than we have ever been in our lives. We thank you for what you have done and for what you're about to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. And would you give the, a hand clap to the Lord one more time this morning? For his goodness, hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. It's not Easter, but we're going to preach on the cross this morning. Amen. It's not Christmas, but we're going to preach about his birth. Because to talk about Jesus is always in season. Amen. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to this earth to seek and save that which was lost. Amen. And I read in your text the beginning uh, where the angels announce the appearing of Jesus on the earth. Amen. But I want to jump from that point where the angel said this day in the city of David is a Savior born, which is Christ the Lord. And fast forward 33 and a half years to the trial that is happening between Pilate, amen, and Herod. They are trying Jesus and uh, they are wanting him to be crucified. And I'm sure most everyone, if not everyone, is familiar with that story where Jesus is taken before Pilate. And it goes back and forth from Pilate. Uh, Pilate says, well, this is not my jurisdiction. You need to take him to Herod. And Herod says, well, I don't have the authority to kill him. And they take him back to Pilate. And so the um, the trial goes forward, that he is now uh, being tried, and they are wanting to kill him. The Bible said that the crowds that day uh, cried out, crucify him. They wanted death from the beginning, amen. I, I have seen, and I'm sure everyone has been a part of, 
a crowd at one time or another that that was able to sway your emotions in the moment. Amen. I, I, my mind goes back to high school and the pep rallies. Uh, that was all about swaying your emotions. And I watched people that had bad days and and uh, were having a hard time with life going to the pep rally. And before too long, with the music pumped and the band playing, they got swayed with the crowd. And even if our team was terrible, it didn't matter. Everybody got excited because emotions were whipped up. And and in that half an hour, you could believe that uh, that you could whoop you know the best NFL team because the pep rally got your emotions. Amen. If you would, this was a a pep rally of death that was happening in the city of Jerusalem that day. They were chanting and cheering because they wanted death for Jesus. And what had Jesus done? What had Jesus done to deserve death? Well, let's see. Um, he raised people from the dead. He opened blinded eyes. He cleansed the lepers. What did Jesus do? He fed 5,000 with just a few fishes and loaves of bread. What did Jesus do? He healed the woman with an issue of blood. What, what did Jesus do? He reached to the, the, the lowest in society and he loved them and he gave them hope. What did Jesus do? He saved a woman from being stoned to death who was caught in the act of adultery. What did Jesus do? He raised up Jairus' daughter who was sick unto death and laid there dead on her bed when he raised her up. What did Jesus do? He called a four-day dead man out of a graveyard by the name of Lazarus by saying, Lazarus come forth and yet the crowd was willing to you just got to be careful not to get caught up in the emotions of the majority you got to watch out to not allow your emotions to get caught up in the hype of the moment and, and, and think, well, everybody's doing it. Amen. I, you, you remember when you went to your parents and said, I want this or I want to do that because everybody else is doing it, and they would say to you, well, if everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you jump too? Amen. And so that's the same principle that applies because Jesus had done nothing to warrant to be imprisoned. He had done nothing that would warrant him being crucified on a cross. He had done nothing that would warrant, amen, for him to be treated like a cr common criminal, amen. But the crowd was crucified, crying crucify him that day, amen, because they allowed their emotions to get the best of them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says uh, that they were cheering and they were chanting they wanted his death they wanted him to be crucified there was if you would a bloodlust in the crowd that day they wanted to see a death to the point the Bible said that Pilate said we have a tradition that we can release unto you one prisoner in exchange for another and we'll take their life in the place of this one and someone in the crowd cheered out real loud release unto us Barabbas and if you understand who Barabbas was he was a murderer. He was a rapist. He was one of the vilest criminals at that time. And they, the crowd began to cheer. Normally, they would have never cheered for something like this. Normally, they would have never said, don't let that kind of a man out of prison. But that day, they, their hatred for Jesus was so strong. Their overwhelming of their emotions was so powerful that they were screaming, release unto us, Barabbas. Release unto us, Barabbas. And the Bible said that they finally are going to get their wish. I want 
want you to imagine with me, if you would, amen, in that crowd that day were some of the people that had heard Jesus preach and walked away and said, surely this is the Son of God. There were people in that crowd in Jerusalem that day who had been healed by the touch of Jesus Christ, but they did not advocate for him. Not one person would step forward to be a witness or an advocate for Jesus Christ. They just cheered crucify him. If you would, amen, maybe there was one of the 10 or two or three or four of 10 of the lepers that Jesus had healed that were in the crowd and they could have said something, but they cheered on for him to be crucified. I wonder if the woman caught in the act of adultery was caught up in that crowd. After all, that's where she lived. Why didn't she intercede for him and say, well, he saved my life. Why don't you spare his life? There was nobody, not even his disciples would speak up. Not even his own family would speak up as the crowd just licked their lips with anticipation to see violence and blood and gore and murder to happen as they scream, crucify him, crucify him. Never had a man ever felt so abandoned on the earth as Jesus Christ had in that moment. Never had a man felt so forsaken by his own people, his own countrymen, his own family, and his own friends to the point where he would cry out on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to be interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No one had ever felt the loneliness and abandonment that Jesus felt in that moment. And there they tied him to a post and they whipped him with a cat of nine tails until his flesh hung like ribbons off of his side. Amen. There they tied him up to the post and they pressed a crown of thorns into his brow until blood began to spill forth. They plucked the beard from his face. They spit on him. They mocked him. They beat him mercilessly until the Roman soldier commanded him to put an old wooden splintery death sentence instrument of a cross upon his bare open back. And he drugged that cross down the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem to hear the crowds by the thousands chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And on his way, he went three times. He fell under the load of that cross because the pain was so immense in his body and because the torment was so overwhelming in his flesh. He would fall three times until finally the third time, uh, amen, there was an African man who stepped up under the cross and helped carry it up to Golgotha's hill. Amen. I, I know this is a familiar story to you this morning, but I want you to understand more than just at Easter season what Jesus did for my sins and for your sins. As he pulled that cross under the weight of that cross, an emaciated body, a dehydrated body, a body that had lost untold amounts of blood, mangled, bruised, and beaten, he marched up Calvary's hill and they stretched him out over that wooden beam, nailing his hands and his feet to the cross. And there the Roman soldiers would lift him up and hoist him and the cross would come falling violently into its place in the ground, ripping his hands and his feet as he cried out and he moaned under the pain and the agony. Amen. But that, that is not necessarily what I've come to preach to you about this afternoon. It's not necessarily the crowd that cried crucify him. It's not the blood and the pain and the gore of Calvary. But there are few, four views of Calvary that I want to share with you today. 
in the life of Jesus Christ because you see, you see, standing there near the foot of the cross was a group of people, a man that were his friends and his family. The first view of the cross that I want to preach to you about this morning, a man was the view of Mary, his earthly mother. A man, as she watched her son agonize and die in torment upon the cruel cross of Calvary, she looked up and she beheld his face. And the Bible would say that his visage was so marred that he was not even recognizable. He looked more like an animal than a man. He had been beaten he had he had been tortured all night in the house of Caiaphas the priest and he is hanging from the cross I, I cannot even imagine I don't like to see my child suffer I cannot imagine what it was like for all of you mothers if you could put yourself in the place of Mary as she's looking up into the face amen of her firstborn son she looks up and beholds his face as blood is pouring from his nose his mouth his ears a crown of thorns being pierced into his head chunks of flesh missing from his face where they had plucked out his beard and blood is pouring profusely you see only three and 33 and a half years later had she been in a stable in a barn somewhere it had only been 33 and a half years earlier that she gave birth in a manger a man and she held that innocent baby boy that she knew was God made manifest in in the flesh. She could have never imagined in a million years that she was going to have to see her child die in such a cruel way. She kissed the face of that little baby boy and knew that he was Emmanuel, God with us, that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he was the Prince of peace, that he would be the Alpha and the Omega, but he would be the Christ who would come and take away the sins of the world. I cannot imagine what that view was like for that mother. Amen. I, I remember when my daughter was born and we had to uh, take her to the hospital uh, uh, almost every day for the first few weeks she was born uh, because of jaundice and they were they were they they would poke her little foot as the blood would come out and of course uh, I called her mad cat back then because she screamed like a mad cat and she would scream and they would take the blood and, and I remember I, had to, I walked out and I told my wife I said I hate to be that guy but I can't do this anymore you got to go in I know you just gave birth to this child I know you did all the work and all that, but I, I just can't handle this. I can't handle seeing them uh, uh, put my child, my little baby, through that pain. It was, it was very difficult for me to watch and sit through. I cannot imagine what it was like for Mary to watch her son hang from the cross and, and, and hear him as he gurgled for every breath that he would breathe under agony. I cannot imagine what it was like for her to view the cross in that way and see her son, her first born son that she had raised with the promise from the angel of the Lord that he would save his people from their sins and even Mary didn't have a full revelation of what Calvary was going to bring to the world I can't imagine the agony that went on in her heart as she watched her son hang from that tree as she heard the crowds of thousands screaming crucify him as she heard the Roman soldiers make fun of him as she heard them say all kinds of terrible things about him. I know it had to have been hard for Mary to keep her mouth shut. It had to have been hard for Mary not to turn around to the crowd and say, I remember when he healed you. I remember when he set you free. I remember when he cast demons out of you. I remember when he raised your daughter from
from, from the dead. I remember when he healed you of leprosy. I remember when he opened your blinded eyes. But no, this mother sat there in absolute torment and watched her son die upon that agonizing cross. Amen. That's the first view of the cross that I want to tell you about. The second view of the cross was the only apostle who was there at the foot of the cross. We call him John, John the Beloved. He was the one who at the Last Supper had his head upon the chest of Jesus because he loved him so dearly as a friend. He loved and adored everything that Jesus did and yet he was the only one of the 12 that would be at the cross, at the foot of the cross that day. Amen. I, I'm so glad that he was. Amen. Because in just a moment, Jesus is going to lift his voice and look at John and say, Behold thy mother, and mother, behold thy son. And he bestows upon him one of the greatest honors when he, in essence, says, I, I am giving my relationship that I have for my mother. I'm giving that to you. I want you to take care of her. I, I want you to comfort her. I want you to be with her. But there at the foot of the cross stood John the Beloved as tears fell down his face. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to see your best friend, the hope that you hung your whole life on hanging there upon the cross. The Bible said he was God's, he was the friend of Christ. Amen. They had a bond in a relationship so strong that Jesus told the disciples, every one of you are going to die a martyr's death. Every one of you are going to give your life for the gospel's sake. But then he pointed at John and said, but not you. Not you. I, I love you. You and I are friends. We got a, a special connection. And in John's life, they would try to boil him in oil, but he would not burn because the promise of God was upon his life that said, you're going to live out your days without martyrdom because you stayed close to my heart. You had a heart for my kingdom. That's the second view of the cross. The first view was the view of a mother. The second view is the view of a friend. The Bible tells me that, that Moses was a friend of God. Amen. That he, he found grace in the sight of God. I'm telling somebody this morning you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ that you can call him your friend and he will call you his friend. Can you say amen? Amen. And just as John walked with Christ and Christ loved him and he loved Christ, uh, there at the foot of the cross that day, John uh, is getting a view unlike anybody else of the cross that day because that was his best friend. He was the only one not jockeying for position that day in the Last Supper. He, he was the only one not trying to play a power trip over who's going to be the most powerful while everybody else is fighting for a position, while everybody else is fighting for stardom, not John. He has his head on the chest of Jesus and he is saying to his friend, I love you. I, I don't care what you go through, Jesus, I will be there. Peter said, I'll never deny you and I'll kill anybody that gets close to you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny that you even know me, but not John. John was willing to face the cross himself. John was willing to face the grave himself because he was not going to let 
let his best friend die without him being there and comforting him. His very presence was a comfort to Christ. His very presence was a comfort to the Messiah as he looked down and could see John standing there and in the mind of Christ he thought, I knew he would be there. If nobody else would be there, I knew he would. The Bible says greater love have no man than this. Amen. That another man, no friend than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. And John was watching the greatest expression of love as his friend stretched his hands out on the cross and he gave up his life not just for a friendship but for their sins to get rid of their sin to put man back in communion with God to put people to have a relationship with God it's the second view of the cross it's a friend that sticks closer than a brother it's a friend that loveth all at all times it's a friend that makes a connection and says I'm going to be here no matter what comes my way I'm going to stick with you. I want to tell you something. Jesus said, Lo, I will be with you always, even until the end. You can trust in your friend Jesus. You can trust in your companion, the Christ. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Though all the world stops loving you, he'll love you. Though all of humanity turns against you, he will still love you. It's the second view of the cross. He's a friend. He's a friend that's close. Closer than a brother. Come on, aren't you glad for that relationship with Jesus Christ today? Amen. Amen. Jesus did not just come to save us from hell, but Jesus came to reconcile a relationship with God. He didn't come to just snatch us out of an eternity without him. He wanted to walk with us. So much so that he said, I am now with you in John 14, but I shall be in you. Amen. I want a relationship with you where I am in you and you are in me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm thankful for the relationship I have with my friend. I thank God for John the Beloved too because at least we get one man at the cross. The women were the only ones with the guts to show up. All the men ran and hid, except John. John said, my affection for you is greater than my fear of the world. Oh, all the other men ran, but the women said, no, 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 no. I'm going to get close to him. And John said, I'm going to get close to him. Oh, Hallelujah. Hearts broken and devastated. We see the third view of the cross. We've seen the view of the mother. We've seen the view of the friend. And now we see the third view of the cross from a woman by the name of Mary the Magdalene. A woman who was bound by an incredible life of sin. Bound by wickedness, idolatry, perversion, immorality. She had given her life to selfish pleasure and in the pursuit 
of selfish pleasure, the Bible said had become possessed with seven demons. And she stood at the foot of the cross. And she looked up. And as every moment passed by, tears ran down her precious face, dripping from her chin and saturating her garments. Because when she looked up at the cross, she didn't see a friend and she didn't see a son, but she saw a deliverer. She saw a deliverer. She said, I know him like nobody else knows him at this cross. I know him like nobody else at the foot of this cross knows him. You see, I was in a life bound by sin. I was in a life bound by addictions and pain and heartache. But when Jesus stepped into my life, I know he don't look like it now. I know he's bloodied and bruised right now. But when he stepped into my life, I was bound by seven demonic spirits. And when Jesus stepped into that room that day when he walked into the place where I was he commanded those evil spirits to leave and I've been free ever since I want you to understand something about the church that you're in this morning we've got a view of the cross today you're looking at people that have been delivered you're looking at people that have been set free if you wonder why we run and why we dance we got a view of the cross like a lot of people don't have. We've been brought out of sin. You're looking at ex-alcoholics. You're looking at ex-drug addicts. You're looking at people that used to be in prison. You're looking at people who come from broken homes. You're looking at people who were abused and who were molested and who were abandoned. But all oh, the day Jesus walked into our life, he became my deliverer. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. She looked up and she didn't see a son. She didn't see a friend. She said, that's my deliverer. If he brought me out, he can bring you out. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I know we don't got a drum beat and an organ right now, but I feel like shouting. You want to know why? Because he's my deliverer. I don't know where I'd be without Jesus. I don't know what I'd do without Jesus. I don't know where I'd go without Jesus. I don't know who I'd be without Jesus. I'd be lost without him. I'd be undone in my sins. I'd be cold, dead, and in a grave. But it was the love of a deliverer from me. It was the love of Jesus Christ that set me free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The old song says, once like a bird in prison I dwelled. No freedom from my sorrows I felt. But then Jesus came and listened to me. And glory to God. Glory to God. He set me free. There's some third views of the cross in this house. He's my deliverer. He has liberated me. He in whom the Son has made free is therefore free indeed. Hallelujah. 
I know it may seem eccentric. I know it may seem different to be in a church where people are crying and dancing at the same time. But let me tell you, like Jesus told the Pharisee when Mary came in and washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, they got offended because he let such a woman in his presence. And Jesus said, I gotta tell you something. He that has been forgiven much loves much. If you wanna know why we're worshiping like this this morning, it's because we've seen him as the deliverer. He's forgiven much. He's removed much. He's brought us out of much. Oh, go ahead and shout about it. That's all right. Hallelujah. I'm glad he's my deliverer. How many can honestly say I'd be in a grave if it weren't for Jesus? How many can honestly say I'd be in a prison somewhere if it weren't for Jesus? How many could say I'd probably be homeless and an addict under a bridge somewhere if it weren't for Jesus? My marriage would be ruined if it weren't for Jesus. I might have lost my kids if it weren't for Jesus. I'd have probably lost my mind if it weren't for Jesus. But one day, I met a deliverer. I met a deliverer who looked past my faults and he saw my need and he liberated me. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I just don't get ever, ever get tired of preaching on the cross. I know a lot of churches are getting away from it. They don't want to talk about the blood. They don't want to talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. But I'm going to tell you something. If it weren't for that cross, I wouldn't be here today. None of us would be here today. We would be a humanity of flesh marching headlong into a devil's hell. But one day, just like Mary the Magdalene, Jesus walked into my life and said, I'll set you free. I'll deliver you. The first view is the mothers. The second view is the friends. The third view is the one that's been delivered. But oh, let me preach to you about the fourth view of the cross. Because it came from somebody that never knew him. As a thief hung dying on his cross. He said, forgive me. Forgive me. And we got the most powerful view of the cross. When Jesus turned that broken, beautiful head and he looked at a thief who had lived a life of sin and misery and he looked at him and he smiled through the blood and he smiled through the pain and he grinned at him with longing eyes and he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise because the fourth view of the cross is the view of salvation. It's the view of being saved. It's the view of a hope in eternity. It's the view of I was on my way to hell, but he forgave me of my sins. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I'm so glad he forgave me of my sins. That thief didn't earn it. That thief couldn't buy it. That thief didn't have enough time to do righteous works. That thief didn't have enough time to make things right. But what he did do is he cried out, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. And we see the fourth and most beautiful view of the cross when Jesus said, I know you don't deserve it. I know you can't earn it, but today you're going to be with me in paradise. Would you stand with me this morning? It's the fourth view of the cross. It's the fourth view of the cross. That beautiful view of a sinner whose soul hangs in eternity. A sinner who knows they're lost and undone without God, who cries out for mercy and forgiveness. And he didn't find judgment, but he found a voice of mercy. Jesus didn't have to say anything. Jesus didn't have to forgive him but he did. Jesus could have said, listen here, buddy. You had your whole life to get right. You waited too long. But see, Jesus, he was obsessed with saving the lost. You hear me? He was obsessed with saving lost people. One time they came and found Jesus ministering and saw that he had lost weight. He had been ministering so much that he hadn't been eating. And the ladies there said, we need to get him something to eat. He's been, he's been working so hard, reaching the lost. His obsession was to get somebody who was lost to be found. Somebody that was headed to hell turned around and going to heaven. Because there's nothing that Jesus is more obsessed with. I don't even know if obsessed is a strong enough word. There's nothing he's more obsessed with than getting you free from sin and saved by his grace. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. All you can do is like the thief, stretch out your hands and say, save me today. Help me today. I need you today, Jesus. I can't do this on my own. I can't make it by myself. 
Look where my will has gotten me. Look where my ambition has gotten me. It's gotten me bound to a cross. Oh, but my Lord, I'm so glad that thief hung beside the Savior of the world because when Jesus heard his plea, he reached out to him. I feel like there's somebody in this place this morning that just needs to lift your hands and your voice and say, have mercy on me, oh God. God, have mercy on me, oh God. You may have been going to church for 50 years, but every once in a while, we need to lift our voice and say, have mercy on me, oh God, because he's obsessed with your salvation. He's obsessed with your salvation. He wants you to be saved more than you want to be saved. He wants you in paradise more than you want to go to paradise. Listen to me. I know you think you have another 50 years, but I'm telling you, tomorrow's promise to no man but today is the day of salvation and right now is the appointed time and you can get the most powerful view of the cross this morning you can look up and say he is my savior come on that's it that's it lift that voice where you are right now the power and the presence of Almighty God is in this house right now. Come on, the fourth view of the cross is open for you. The fourth view of the cross is open for you. The fourth view of the cross is open for you. Look upon him, behold him, and see that his suffering was for your sin. His blood was for my transgressions. on that cross they pierced him in the side they put vinegar in his mouth and that thief saw something he had never seen the other three had seen it the other three had seen God's compassion they had seen the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ that thief beheld something he'd never seen. When Jesus, with a broken voice, lungs quivering and rattling as they're filling up with fluid, he heaves upon the nails in his hands to breathe in, and he lets out a great voice with spittle and blood as he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The thief on one side mocked, but the thief who got the fourth view, I can see that limp body as it twitches, as he cried, feeling the love and the mercy of a Savior that had been born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. Behold, you shall call him Emmanuel, for he shall save his people from their sin.
love of Almighty God. Let's pray. I want to open this altar for somebody who wants a fourth view. Maybe you need a fresh look at that fourth view again. I'm opening for you. Maybe you've been saved for years. It's all right. You need a fresh view of that fourth look, that fourth view. I want to open this altar for you right now to come down and say, oh, I want to see that. I need to look freshly again once more and behold the beauty of my Messiah. To behold the beauty of his suffering and his agony and to understand he did that for me. Come on, he did that for me and he did that for you. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he loves us anyway. Come on, there's a fourth view of the cross right now. Come on, lift those hands and those voices. I know we got a couple of people going to be baptized here in just a moment. Amen. But God can fill somebody with his spirit this morning. Somebody can repent of their sins today. Come on, that's it. Look upon the cross for salvation. Look upon the face of him who gave his life for mercy and forgiveness. You're not going to find hope in this life. We won't find hope in this world. That's it. The beauty of His presence is in this place. Hallelujah.
the grace and the mercy of God in this place this morning. Hallelujah. The Bible says that our repentance is like, like unto the death of Christ on the cross. Our baptism is an obedience as Christ was buried in the grave. We are buried in the waters of baptism jesus christ is what the bible said buried with him in baptisms the resurrection the resurrection of jesus christ is symbolic in the infilling of the holy ghost and by obeying that we obey the literal gospel of the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ hallelujah there's no more powerful encounter that we have in this life than to see that fourth view of the cross that he is my savior because without his salvation we are nothing we are nothing without salvation hallelujah maybe you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the name of Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.